Welcome to Northgate's podcast. We pray that you're going to be blessed by hearing God's word. May you be filled with hope as you believe and trust in Jesus. So we are going to be in Galatians 5 today. Starting at verse 16, I'm going to read out of the NIV, my wife's very, I was going to say very old Bible, but um, that would mean that she might be old too. So, verse 16, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So the acts of the sinful nature are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, and against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Lord, your word is living There's a reason why we are in Galatians 5 in this part of the passage this morning, and there's a reason why we're here to hear your word. So I pray that each one of us, myself included, will be able to clearly hear what you are saying to this church here, to us, the church. Speak, we ask, and may our ears hear and our hearts apply what you are speaking to us. And I pray this through Jesus, our living Lord and Savior. Amen. So I was reading this passage, and, uh, you know, it's familiar, right? And it kind of goes through my mind, and sometimes you you can get a little maybe jaded. Um, It's been a long time, but we used to always sell Bible verses on bookmarks and plaques, and and it it was all good, but your mind just automatically sees it. So, for example, if I was to say, we're going to read Corinthians 13, and we're at a wedding, your mind just goes into, yeah, I've got that one, I've heard it so many times. I know the passage, right? Or am I the only one that that does too? It's like, yeah, I've got that memorized. So this passage, I would say that, you know, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free, and and I know the fruit of the Spirit is this, and fruit of the flesh is this, and I don't have all that memorized, but it's kind of like I thought I knew what this was. And a couple weeks ago, when Dan and I were talking and could see where this was going to land, that I was going to be getting, starting at verse 16, I got stuck. Now, I've been in this like 50 some odd years. I've been reading my Bible maybe 55, 60 years. I know this passage. But in the back of my head was this little line that said, so I say, live by the Spirit. And I thought, what does that mean? I won't ask you. 
But what does it mean to live by the Spirit? So for the last couple of weeks, I've been on a journey asking the Holy Spirit to show me what is it like to live by your Spirit. I know how to live by the law. I know how to do the right things. When I was in my teen and early 20s, probably my 30s, maybe my 40s, probably my 50s, I could do what was expected of me in any gathering. There's this form that we know how to behave and we know how to act and we don't say these words and I know a Christian doesn't do this and and I would do all those sorts of things or try to, sometimes successfully, sometimes not successfully. But there's something about this passage that just stopped me. And it was live in the Spirit, one translation says, or walk in the Spirit, walk by the Spirit. One of the literal translations, Young's literal says, um, in the Spirit, walk ye. That's it. But it still begs the question, what does it mean to be in the Spirit? Now, if you think of maybe some of the examples, you know, on Revelation, the Island of Patmos, I was in the Spirit and I got up in the third heaven. We're not talking about that. I think that would make dangerous driving if we were in the Spirit driving when we're in the third heaven or something. I'm not quite sure, but I think practice, that was meant to be funny. That wasn't funny. I thought it was funny. Can you imagine? Why were you driving like that? I was in the third heaven. Yeah, right. So living in the Spirit, it means Something more. And as I was thinking about it, I thought one of the translations, the NLT that I love to use says, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. And I was thinking about that. And when I was a kid living by the Welling Canal, they would have these ships that went through and the pilot had to turn over control of the ship to a, to a local pilot, the foreign ships, because they didn't know how to navigate the waterways. And, and that's true giving over control. Because pilot on board, the flag was flying and it said, the pilot of this ship is not the regular one, it's a local guy and he knows everything about these, this waterway. But when I read a verse like, let the Holy Spirit guide my life, I tend to think I'm more like Google telling me where to go and I'm driving. Go here, go here, do this, do this, okay, stop. Oh, keep in the left-hand lane, do this. By the way, Sometimes if you go to Camp Iowa with Google, don't. <laughs> that is bizarre. And having known that, when I was going down Niagara on Thursday, I was going through one and a half lane roads that were curving through the escarpment thinking, where am I going to wind up? Now I used to live there. There are parts of Niagara I have no idea where it is. And if Google fails me, I will never make it to where I'm going. But normally, Google just tells you, do this, do this, turn here, stop, all that kind of stuff. And you just listen to it or whatever one you're listening to. I just press it in and I love doing that. But that's not the idea of this. It's not me driving my own life. Be in the spirit means something greater than me thinking I have any element of control in this. The only element of control I have in this is my willingness to turn over my life and let God control me. So I was walking in this. I was thinking about this. I was praying about this. I've, I've been basically living in this. And I began to just think like, 
for something so powerful. Like, listen to the way this, this says. If you live by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. That is a direct correlation. That is pretty powerful. That means live by the Spirit is pretty important if you want to not live by the flesh. And I don't know about your flesh. My flesh does quite well living on its own and wanting to be fed all the time. I'm, does anybody else have that problem? You don't have to answer. It's just kind of you all look at me like, oh, we don't have that problem. Okay. Yeah, can I say? <laughs> I do. So there's a direct correlation between walking in the Spirit and being able to not walk in the flesh. As I was thinking just about that statement, just in my own journey, I would say that I believe that's where the enemy fights the hardest to keep you from ever experiencing what it's like to live in the Spirit. He will do anything to keep you from it. One of the best ways the enemy does, he's first of all, he's never obvious. He is so good at not being obvious. And sometimes the best way of not living in the Spirit is doing things for God and being so busy you don't have time to be in God. We're just going all the time. Or another way that's very common is by thinking it's externals, that I don't do this or I do this or I act this way, and those are all good things, but it's still me in control. What does it mean for me to be in the Spirit? So I'm risking something by saying this. It's not bad enough to turn the camera off, but I probably will have a few comments. I confess before my one daughter, who's quite green, that I went to the store and bought Weed Be Gone. Are there any gasps in this crowd? It's legal. I didn't go to New York State and bring it across the border. None of that stuff. I know people that do. Tried it once. It smells so bad. I mean, I grew up in Niagara. We had so many smells, so many things that burnt your nose. You got used to it. So when they came by and sprayed the lawn, it looked beautiful and green. You just knew that it hurt for a couple days, and then it looked beautiful again. Now, the fact that everybody's dying off rather early, what's the correlation? There could be one. So I'm not preaching about the need for herbicides and chemicals and all that kind of stuff, but I want to use it as an example because I learned through natural things. I have this lawn. It's an acre. It's a pain. And I've seeded it, and we had a septic system, and I've reseeded it, and I got topsoil, and I spread the topsoil, and I've done everything everybody says. Aside from going to New York and getting real chemicals and spraying it and getting into my well water, and then we all die. That's not worth it. We'd be gone... It's not an advert for it, but they sell it at Home Depot, so it's got to be legal. And you go by, and don't worry, I didn't kill the clover. I love the bees, and I have a happy little bee garden and all that stuff. So I'm, I'm trying to be green. But I did go by, and I went zap to the dandelion. And I felt so good with my weed bee gone. And zap, zap, zap. And Linda was away, so I had tons of time to zap to my heart's content. And I looked at all those dead dandelions. And that creeping Charlie, it kills it too. Yes. And I thought, well done, duck. <laughs> now, have any of you ever used Weed Be Gone? Oh, you don't have to put your hand up because you don't want to admit that. But if you've ever used it, you know what happens? You go back out and there's this little 
green shoots coming back up at what was dead. And it's like, no! So I'm not easily deterred. I go back up to Home Depot. They're not checking my ID yet because of how much I was buying. And it goes zap, 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 zap. And now I have these brown spots in my lovely green lawn when it rained on it yesterday. And the weed be gone has finally began to kill the dandelions. Okay, you don't have to clap, but I was excited. So what does that have to do with living in the spirit? You may think nothing because of what I just did to the earth, but it describes something that I think is important. If the root of something is still alive, it will always come back. Always. And back in the olden days, and I'm not promoting this at all, man, they killed everything, living everything. Somehow grass lived and everything else didn't. This stuff, because of the regulations, can't kill the way the old stuff used to. And you got to keep working at that root and working at that root and working at that root. I just want my lawn to grow. I don't, I don't even want green grass. Like, I, As a matter of fact, I don't like green grass because you have to cut it. I just don't want it to have bare spots and then everything else grows in there. So I just I just want something to grow. And it's been like 10 years I've been working on it. So you get the picture. Get, grant me grace. Forgive me if you need to because I use this. But... Do you understand, if you have a root of sin still in you, it will always bear fruit. And in simple terms, it's like if you feed whatever you feed it, it is going to grow. So to walk in the Spirit, to, to be in Christ by the Spirit, means to rely on the Holy Spirit to guide my every thought, to take every thought captive, my words, my attitudes, my deeds, every part of me is Christ. There is no room for the root to grow. I have faith in his ability to do it, not me. When a root is choked off of its nutrients, it will die. Now, there's, there is something that I want to make very clear. When we come to Christ, the work already begins. Salvation begins. But there are patterns that, for some of us, have been a long time ingrained in us. And those patterns of sin have to be starved. They have to be worked at. It takes time. Some things instantly go away. Some things don't. Some of the roots have been so mature that, man, it takes a lot to get rid of them. But little by little, we can begin to see the change. And if the proper roots are fed, they will grow and take over and kill off the wrong roots. So the question I just simply ask is, how do you feed your spirit? How do you feed your life in the spirit? Do you feed your life in the spirit? What do you spend most of your time on? How do you spend your time? We heard Dan saying he's getting off media. One of the things that has really begun to change in me is that when I'm in the car, I very seldom put the radio on until I pray through my whole list of people that I pray for. And sometimes it takes the whole drive into Ottawa and sometimes on the way back. But what's my priority? I'm not bragging in that. I'm just thinking, use the time of God. We all have time. So what do we do with it? 
When we come to faith in Christ, salvation begins this journey. I begin to walk out in this new life. The flesh hates this new life. The flesh doesn't want to get up early and pray. The flesh doesn't want to read if I can just go on my phone and look at something else. The the flesh hates to be still and silent and let God speak. That's very common for us to not like that. It's, it can be terrifying. We like to be busy so we don't have to deal with stuff. We're all like that. God's word said, be still and know that I'm God. Come, be with me. Let me speak to you in silence. Be still. Let my word speak to you. Jesus said that if you love me, you will obey me. That's pretty direct. Are you obedient? To Jesus? Am I obedient to Jesus? And as we walk in Christ, our new life in Him is fed and nourished by His living Word, and the root of Christ grows and is seen with us, and the old life is slowly choked away and dies as His new life through the Holy Spirit abiding in us grows stronger and stronger. So I was thinking about the old life, and, and much of my past would have been Okay, today I'm going to not think impure thoughts. I'm not going to think impure thoughts. I'm not going to think impure thoughts. This morning, somebody comes zooming up beside me like this and wants to cut me off to get in front of me, but there's nobody behind me. And I am thinking, do you know you can break and ease in behind me instead of having to cut me off to get in front of me? Now, in the past, that would have been a test to see, how's the flesh doing now, Doug? <laughs> well, better than it was, but it's still not cured. Because I think that's stupid and it drives me nuts. But the flesh, immorality, impurity, sensuality. I hear today so much, like, what's wrong with immorality? What's wrong with impurity? You know what's wrong with all of these fruits of the flesh? I do not love the other person. I use the other person for my own gain. That's the bottom line. Sorcery, I'm manipulating the other person for my gain. Strife, I'm not caring about them. I'm angry. Jealousy, I don't care about you. I care about me and how I feel. Outbursts of anger, who does it affect? You. Do I care about you when I do that? No. Disputes, factions, envying. Drunkenness. What's wrong with drunkenness? Man, the stories. I'm not talking about alcoholism. I'm talking about just getting drunk. The things that happen. The things that take place. Do I care about you when I'm living in the flesh? The answer is a flat out no. I care only about me. Which is absolutely in contrast and violation to what it is to live in the spirit. Verse 21 says that those that practice this, deeds of the flesh, will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. There could be some discussion on that, but my simple way of looking at that says, if you are living self-focused on yourself, thinking only about you, you do not know what the kingdom of heaven really is about. You may be saved, but you do not understand the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is about love, joy, and peace, and being in the spirit, and Loving God and being involved in Him. 
Those who practice the flesh live in the flesh, and they miss all of this. I love 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, when we truly come into relationship with Christ, all things, the flesh, are passed away, and behold, all things. All things? All things. Gail's shame passes away, doesn't it? She prayed that for me this morning. Shame passes away when I come to faith in Christ. We exchange the flesh for this new life, for Christ in his offer of new life, a life we don't live on our own, but rather we live by walking in the Spirit. It requires effort. It requires putting the flesh to death. It requires consistently walking in the Spirit. It requires resisting evil. It requires fighting the good fight and and feeding on the Word of God and abiding and listening and obeying and taking time to carve out time to be alone with God, walking by faith, not by sight. So when all around me my soul gives way, my faith remains strong. It's walking in faith. It's loving God with all my heart, my soul, and my might. These are the things that I need to do to keep this relationship going. But the result of living in the Spirit These old roots of flesh, the old ways, begin to die off. Doug begins to disappear. I wrote this sentence. What I'm recognizing now, and I say this out of all humility, is that people are beginning to see Christ in me as Doug dies. That's the test. Is Christ seen in you and me? The life of Christ that bears fruit in us, that others can see, that others can partake of, that others can taste, that others can know and see Christ in me. When you look at the fruits of the Spirit, there's no arguing that we can do those on our own. I can be good. I can have joy. I can have peace. But I want to tell you that it's limited to my ability to do so. I was down in Niagara on Thursday. I love going down to Niagara. My roots are there. I love organized farming. I I love vineyards that have straight rows and they all curve up the hill like this and trees that are all planted. It's just very orderly and it's just so pretty and the blossoms are out and I just love that the climate, the soil, makes <clears throat> phenomenal fruit growing. Not so much the table grapes, those are kind of bitter, but the rest of it's really phenomenal. But if you go and you get a peach off a tree, it should make a mess all over your face. That is a real peach. Not the ones you buy at Walmart in July up here that come from Argentina, and you can drop them on the floor and they don't even bruise. That is not a real peach. I'm not sure what that is. You should be able to take of this fruit and it's just smushy all over you. And the juice is literally drooling down you like a lobster bib should be on me when I'm eating peaches. You get it? Because that fruit is in the right soil, the right climate. It's being fed. It's being nurtured. What's going to happen to a tree that's supposed to bear fruit when it's nurtured and fed? This is not hard. What happens to a tree? Shannon, could you bail me out? It should bear fruit, like putting seeds in the soil. 
it should grow. So if Christ's spirit is in you, which it is upon faith in Christ, and he puts the seed of his spirit in you, and you, by your effort, feed yourself in the word of God, walk in the spirit, live in the power of the spirit, abide in his presence, what should happen to you? You don't sound convinced. All right. I'll say it, and then you can say it back so you hear yourself say it. You bear fruit. Oh, so good. We, we're, we're getting this. Sometimes, and I'm not making this all about me because that would be the flesh, it's not Christ, but I do recognize change in me that surprises me. So if I say the words 401, for any of you that have been in Toronto, does that just kind of bring up sometimes the flesh that you don't know is inside of you until you get on the 401? Just after supper time? So what shocked me, quite frankly, is I'm not sure what's happened to me, but it didn't bother me. And I thought, whoa, what's, what's happening to me? And I used it for an opportunity to pray. I'm thinking, wow. Now, I must confess on the way down, I did take the 407. Whoa, that's a highway. And I used my wife's car, so she's going to get the bill, not me. So <laughs> that matter to me. Hi, honey. Uh, yeah, so you get my point. I'm getting sidetracked by all that stuff. Okay, here's the other thing that I really got out of this. Walk in the Spirit. What will happen? You will bear fruit of the Spirit. I don't know where my brain has been, but it's obvious that if you live in the Spirit, you will bear fruit of the Spirit living in you. And so this fruit of the Spirit in you and me is not like that hard little peach that you buy in off-season from Argentina that was shipped 16 weeks earlier. This is the fresh puppy. This is it, man. This is good. This is the best fruit. This is fruit that's so good that... People would say of Paul, that's the Holy Spirit in you. That's not man. And people will say of you, your love, it's not natural, the love that you have. No, it's not. It's Christ's love. Can you imagine that as Christ lives and has residence in me and freedom in me, that I can truly love you like he does, loving me, loving through me to you? My love is so selfish. I'll love you until you get annoying, and then I won't love you anymore. But Christ's love through me never gives up. This love, this joy, a joy not based on circumstances, a peace that is a non-anxious presence. It subdues anxiousness, a kindness that's real, a faith that is steadfast, a gentleness based on the heart of Christ, and a strength, a self-control, to keep walking this out. The fruit of the Spirit, it's the life of Jesus being formed and lived out in you and me. That means Christ's life should be and is visible in each of us. When we talk about planting seeds, I know of no more powerful witness than when people see Christ in me and ask why. 
Why do you do that? Practically, I've been trying to live this out this week. I was trying to put the sermon into practice. So I go to Walmart. And this little thought pops into my mind. To put the shopping carts that are willy-dilly in the middle of the parking lot by me, to take all three of them and put them back in the corral. I've never done that. And I thought, I'm not sure why I'm doing this, but it didn't hurt, does it? And I'm not doing it because anybody's around. It's 7.15 in the morning. It's only me. But I did it, and I have no idea who's watching me. But I did it because the idea came to my mind, and I thought, what a good idea. And I'm not boasting on Doug. I'm just still trying to figure this out here. Then I go to the garden center. I might have gone a few times. <laughs> it's easier to buy it when Linda's not around. She doesn't see it all at once. I was like, wow, what's all this? Hope you're still sleeping, honey. Um, so I go to the garden center, and there's this woman. She said, yeah, I'd like to buy 10 bags of triple mix. And can I get somebody to help me carry it to the car? And I'm looking around thinking, that is not going to happen. I can see that. There's one guy, and he's not going to help you until maybe tomorrow, which I don't think you want to wait that long. So I get this idea. I'll come and help you. So I did. I loaded her car up. I didn't tell her Jesus loved her. I could have. I just wanted to express the love of Christ, that I can do this for you. I have no idea what that will do. But that's planting seeds of the kingdom. Not just that. Sometimes it is a word. It's going to a friend's funeral and being able to minister Jesus and the gospel to people that don't know him and let them see Christ in me and the hope that I have and we have because there's more than this, there's home. It's every moment, every moment, every thought, everything I do, captive to Christ. Out of duty, no. Out of love, yes. So different. I don't have to earn it. I don't have to work at it anymore. I thought I did. It doesn't work. And I love how Paul just kind of wraps up this part of Galatians and says in verse 24, Therefore, those who belong to Christ have nailed their passions and their desires of their sinful nature to his cross and have crucified them there. In essence, bam, bam, bam. I'm glad Jose wasn't looking at me. He's a carpenter, and I did not do that hammering thing right at all. I I should just kind of do it differently, but you get the point. I've taken what I used to find precious, what I used to live for, and I have laid it down so that instead of me using you for my gain, I now see you in the eyes of Christ and can love you for his sake. And the reward, this is verse that says, pray you one for another that you will be healed. The reward, when I pray and minister, I always get the reward of Christ's presence back. It's always greater than what I give. I have taken these passions and crucified them with Christ so that I would be able to bear the likeness of Christ and produce much fruit of his spirit within me. Live in the spirit, walk in the spirit. Let us follow his leading in every area of our lives. And Jesus, I thank you that this is only possible to do so because as we come 
to a living faith in you through coming to receive the gift of your salvation that you gave to us at the cross. As we come to receive that and we exchange the old for the new, we exchange self for you, our lives are changed. Lord, I pray that your word will find much fruit and root in you today as we hear it and are encouraged to come and to be with you and to spend more time with you and to to love you and to serve you out of this love. To give up things that really don't matter, that, that hinder us from a deeper love with you. Lord, may we be all for you, all for you that the fullness of you may be seen in us for all. Thank you for the cross. Thank you that all of my sins were nailed upon your cross. All of my selfishness, all of my shame, a weight so incredible I couldn't bear it, how you could have borne it with all the weight of all of those sins, I have no idea. But thank you that you did. And the cross says it's finished. Because you died, you were buried, and you rose again in trouble. Thank you for the promise you're coming again. And we await that day, and until then, may we live all out for you. Thank you for joining us for this message this morning. If you'd like more information about Northgate, you can find us on the internet at northgateministry.com. We'd love to hear from you and have a great week.